What do you love about music? To begin with, everything. Putting on a great show is the most important thing you can do. One great rock show can change the world. Summertime is the season for fun and relaxation, and that, of course, includes listening to music. We always have tracks that we come back to on a carefree July day. I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg Cott. This week on the show, we play some more of our favorite summer songs. We also talk to rock critic Jessica Hopper on the release of her first anthology. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. This is Sound Opinions, Greg, and we're going to be talking about summer songs. This is the second time we've done this. We originally did it back in 2006, right? So when we do these list kind of shows, we try not to ever repeat ourselves, and we try to not be too obvious. I don't have any Brian Eno on there, okay? And then we also go through our archives and see what else have we played. You know, like Lazing on a Sunny Mm. Afternoon by the Kinks? We played it in another show for another purpose. So I had a bit of a challenge, but I really think I came up with some good picks, and I'm eager to hear yours. That's later in the show, but first we're going to talk to Jessica Hopper. You're listening to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott, and he's Jim DeRogatis, and today we're in the studio with music writer Jessica Hopper. Jessica is a senior editor at Pitchfork, and she's just published her book, The First Collection of Criticism by a Living Female Rock Critic. This is a career-spanning anthology of articles that Jessica wrote over the years, from her start as a punk fanzine writer to her pieces about pop culture icons and sometimes pariahs like Lana Del Rey and Miley Cyrus and that widely read Village Voice piece where she interviewed me about the R. Kelly controversy. That received over 7 million hits on the web. Jessica, welcome to Sound Opinions. Hi, Jim. Hi, Greg. I think we ought to start right off the bat. One of our peers in Chicago, rock critic we've admired a long time. Let's start with the title, though, because I love the history of rock criticism. And I know what you're talking about when you titled your book, The First Collection, by a living female rock critic, but I think most listeners won't. The amount of books by female rock critics that are just of criticism are almost non-existent. Part of the reason that I titled it this, other than it was sort of the joke title that people demanded become the real title, was that you have to set a precedent in some ways for other books to be allowed to come after it. When I wanted to do this book, I was told by publishers, I was told by agents, I was told by different people. Chuck Klosterman and Rob Sheffield are basically the only people allowed to to put out collections of criticism. They are the exceptions to the rule because essays don't sell, music criticism doesn't sell, no woman has done this who's a lot, you know, basically that there was a gendered precedent here that needed to be set. Well, one of the first essays I think that got you, you know, notice nationwide, Emo Where the Girls Aren't, is in the book. And it seems to speak to some of what you're talking about in the title here. You weren't seeing a reflection of your concerns as a music listener, as a female music listener. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm reading too much into that, but is that true? Do you feel there's yeah. a different perspective that women bring to music criticism that you weren't hearing from the male end of the spectrum? Well, I definitely feel like that. I think that the experience of even being a woman at a show is different. You know, you're participating 
participation in music is sometimes different than your male peers. And even how you receive lyrics or music or a band's image can be really different. So I, I do think having something that speaks directly to the experience, whether it's criticism or music, seeing your own experience of life reflected back to you in lyrics is really crucial. What got you into it in the first place? Writing is not exactly the easiest way to make a living. What was the light bulb moment for you as a young writer? Well, I kind of fell into all of this almost by accident. It, it happened because someone told me no, essentially. Growing up in Minneapolis, I was reading a lot of the local press about one of my favorite bands, Babes in Toyland, and I was in all of ninth grade, and I just thought, all of these people are getting it wrong. I called around and said, you, your article about Babes in Toyland was wrong. I need to write it from my perspective. And people would say, well, have you ever written before? I said, no. And they're like, how old are you? And I say, 15. And it was like, you know, all but hung up on me. <laughs> and I just thought, like, I'll show all of them. And I started a fanzine. And then within uh, two issues of that, I was writing for City Pages. Within two years of that, I was writing for Spin. That's how my career started, was people saying, like, Sorry, your your fangirlism doesn't qualify as expertise. Thirty eight now, and I've been getting published bylines since tenth grade. So yeah, well, we should we should explain to people. You know, Greg and I also came from the fanzine world. Mm-hmm. In the fanzine world, throughout the eighties into the nineties, if no one was going to publish you, you did it yourself. You went to the basement, you you typed it out, you pasted it up. You went to Kinko's in the middle of the night when your friend was working, ran off. 400 copies on their key card. Now, Jessica, it's so much easier. People start a blog. Mm-hmm. It's for free on WordPress, right? Mm-hmm. You have a huge influence on other young women who are following in your footsteps and doing exactly that. Mm-hmm. Does that feel good? Are you seeing writers come up behind you now? I really hope so. I mean, I feel like it is a very different world now uh, if you are a young woman with an opinion. Mm-hmm. And you know, now that I'm an editor at Pitchfork, I get to help bring up a lot of these voices, and I pay a lot of attention to Twitter, to blogs, to Tumblr, and looking for young women who have a voice and have a very distinct and strong opinion about the music that they listen to and the culture that they pay attention to. One of the things that's jumped out at, to me as well is the idea that music, the process of making music, is inspiring to somebody who's trying to figure out how to be a writer. And for you, it seemed like Kathleen Hanna was a, was a big influence in that regard. Seeing her at a young age, impressionable age, mm-hmm. gave you the license to, to say, why can't I express myself Absolutely. the way she's doing? Riot Girl basically gave a name to what I was feeling. I, I liked some music, but... I didn't see myself in it. I didn't hear my own experience being reflected. But seeing someone who was up there so defiant and empowered really transformed where I saw that I could be in punk rock and the way that it gave me license because I wanted to speak to other women the way that she was speaking to me and kind of take that space at the table regardless of whether anyone was giving me permission. How do you feel about the word post-feminism? There was this big notion in in the late alternative era about, you know, we are now post-feminist. That fight's been fought. Feminism is fortunately changing and becoming more inclusive of different perspectives and intersectional, as we say. But that it definitely does feel like a different 
world these days in terms of how often we hear a feminist or even radical feminist perspective about music, you Mm -hmm. know, because when I was coming up, these were relegated to fanzines or, you know, a handful of blogs. And today, you know, there's popular critics who use a feminist lens to approach music. And I think it's still very much a necessary framework. You know, the million dollar question that I always wrestle with is how we can separate the art from the artist. Now, I should note that I'm included here in the first collection of criticism by a living female rock writer in the sense that you did a long interview with me about R. Kelly and my work on R. Kelly. It wound up in the Village Voice, got like seven and a half million hits. Obviously, you tapped into something that I had been working on for 10 years and us talking about it together made an impact. Kelly was accused of preying on many young underage women. There is no answer, but I wonder how you feel about that. If you know a band has objectionable lyrics that are misogynistic, if you know in their personal lives that they're behaving misogynistically, how do you deal with that as a critic and a fan? It's really difficult, and and this is something that I talk about a lot with my friends. I talk about it a lot with other writers and other editors. And, you know, the thing is, is I'm not doing extensive background checks on every you know, band I pull up on Bandcamp to make sure they're ethically clean. You don't you sign know. up to be the moral police when you become no, a rock and I'm not, critic. and yeah. I'm not interested in that. I really have to just mind my own heart what feels okay for me to listen to. I'm, I'm never going to go to an R. Kelly show. And I think it's up to each of us. I can't separate art from the artist. Music means too much to me to say, I'm just going to listen to it purely for pleasure. Yeah, it's mere entertainment. Because it's never been that for me. Well, I think what was interesting about your article about Jim is that you're upfront about this at the start. You did basically a 180. You came from the perspective of, I'm an R. Kelly fan. And you came to it, to Jim's article, having some kind of a moment where you reconsidered that. Was it Jim's writing that made you reconsider? Why did you reconsider? Well, it was sort of a funny thing that happened where... You know, I had had pretty much stopped listening to R. Kelly not too long after the initial charges. I was at Pitchfork when he was headlining, and and I I had meant to leave, and instead I sort of stayed and was, like, enchanted by, you know, the show. And I think I was being fairly flip about it on Twitter, in part because people were challenging me and saying, you're a feminist, Jessica. You care about women. You care about women of color. Why don't you care about this? And I had to take it to heart because the people who were calling me out were people that I respected, including Jim, mm-hmm. and talking to Jim about the the full scope of why it is that nobody wanted to have this conversation and these types of conversations about artists whose personal pasts or personal histories are are difficult at best. We had such a deep conversation that touched the lives of a lot of people. Yeah, it's it, it nice to know that people care. Yeah. Not even they can stop me now Will I be flying overhead? The heavy words can bring me down Boy, I've been raised from the dead You're listening to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRigatis, and we're speaking with Jessica Hopper, author of the first collection of criticism by a living female rock critic. Jessica, in your book, you come to the defense of both Lana Del Rey and Miley Cyrus. Mm -hmm. I I mean, they're vilified a lot in the music press as no talents were killing pop music. What was it that made you want to jump into the fray about these two artists? The myth of Lana Del Rey was just getting, you know, uh, re-perpetuated. 
in every piece and about how fake she was. And there was all these sort of different rumors swirling. And I just mm. thought, what's the actual truth of this girl? Because we're going to buy whatever she's selling. But what is her real story? And it's always been really fascinating to me, you know, the different arguments about authenticity and fakeness and image, particularly in relationship to female artists. And with Miley, why she fascinates me is because I think she's giving us everything that we want as pop consumers in a really gross way. Miley Cyrus is basically a billboard for us to project all our thoughts and feelings and disgust on. I think I say it in the book, it will be about her knowingly filleting a sledgehammer right. and what that means to us more than it will ever be about her singing or how she sings. We've been talking with music and culture writer Jessica Hopper, author of the first collection of criticism by a living female rock critic. Thank you, Jessica, for being our guest on Sound Opinions. Thanks for having me, guys. Need you Doesn't that make you want to jump in the pool or at least have a hot dog? Very nostalgic right now. DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, Summertime. All right, doesn't matter. Song can come out the last day of December, can come out, you know, in the fall, it can come out in the spring. There are certain songs that just scream (laughs) summer song, all right? The release date almost becomes irrelevant. It conjures a vibe of hot Sweaty days of of hanging by the pool, of barbecues, of beer outside, of of long nights under the stars, right? Mm -hmm. None of which I like. I prefer to be indoors in dark, (laughs) dank rock clubs myself. But you are a maven of summer. You're going to start us off. Second time we're doing this show. Great summer songs. We got a new batch for you. What's your first pick? Well, Jim, you have to go to California, right, if you want to write ultimate summer songs, or it seems that way anyway. Now, well, we I'm did California Sun last yeah, time. And, and, and I'm glad I don't live in California, but I get the whole idea about that culture and what it inspired musically. So much great stuff over the years. Now, in the late 50s, early 60s, you know, the car culture songs were everywhere. Chuck Berry, the American Graffiti soundtrack kind of looked at that era and the, and the music that was being written and sung about car culture. The Beach Boys were part of that pack as well. But this song, you know, kind of separated them, as, as many of their songs did during that area. A little Honda, it's about a little motorbike, as Brian Wilson referred to it. Not just a motorcycle, but a little motorbike, a little smaller, a little more zippy on the road. And he wrote an homage to it in this song, Little Honda. Now, one of the things that's really cool about this song, or the original by the Beach Boys, was that he insisted that his brother, Carl, play this fuzz tone guitar riff on it. And Carl's going, what do you, what do you mean, man? That sounds awful. Yeah. And Brian, well, Brian's like, no, no, trust me, you, we, this song needs this. And they put it out on an EP in 64. It later came out on one of their albums. It was a relatively successful song for them. But leave it to Yolo Tango, this great New Jersey trio, who love to dig into rock archives and cover songs that they feel have not been celebrated enough to find this particular gem and put it on there. I Can Hear the Heart Beating as One album in 1997. So Yolo Tango's cover 
of Little Honda really does it justice, and especially to that fuzz tone guitar that Carl Wilson plays, uh, as played now by Ira Kamplin, really cranking up the fuzz box. It is Little Honda, the Yola Tango version of the Beach Boys' 1964 song on Sound Opinions. That is Yola Tango with a cover of the Beach Boys' Little Honda on Sound Opinions, my first great song of the summer. Coming up on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, Jim's first selection for our summer mixtape. And do you have a song you want to add to the collection? Give us a call at 888-859-1800. See the curtains hanging in the window In the evening on a Friday night Little light is shining through the window Let me know everything's alright Summer breeze Makes me feel fine Blowing through the jasmine in my mind Summer breeze Makes me feel fine Blowing through the jasmine in my mind
got an early start. We're gonna have a ball. We're gonna ride the surf. Yeah, that ain't all. Nothing is greater than the sand serpents off there. Unwreck our boards just as soon as we get there. Stack them in the sand while they're breaking just right. Yeah, we're surfing all day and we're swinging all night. Vacation is here. Beach party tonight. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRogatis, and we are running through some of our absolute favorite songs of the summer. We ought to make it clear that we're not just talking about the summer of 2015. We're talking all-timers, song that we would put on any summer mixtape that we want to start rolling out in June, July, August for those hot months. Uh, Jim, what is your first selection? Greg, you know, hip-hop is especially fond, I think, of the great summer Mm -hmm. jam. And I had a hard time uh, choosing a representative hip-hop example just because there's so many of them. There's zillions and zillions. But I'm going to dig a little deep. This song I'm going to play, Swimsuits, came out in 2011. Cool kids looked as if they were going to be the next big up-and-comers from Chicago. Mike Rocks and Chuck English. You know, they were self-consciously old school, right? Going Mm -hmm. back to the roots of hip-hop, you know, on playgrounds in the Bronx, later on the streets of Los Angeles, Compton, right? You know, simple. Two turntables and a microphone, and they had serious vocal skills. But they still were able very much to to create a mood in what they were doing. On that album, uh, When Fish Ride Bicycles, there had been mixtapes before. That was the first major release in 2011, the debut studio album. Chuck English, I think, is a really talented producer. We have not heard the last of him. Part of the record, because there was major label money, they're working with like the likes of the Neptunes, okay? But the best songs were coming from Chuck English uh, in terms of the production. And this is one of the best. What is cooler than sitting in the hot summer sun to some people, not to me, as I said, you know, with your feet dangling in the water Mm. and watching people walk by in their swimsuits. Boys, if you're a girl, uh, girls, if you're a boy. In the case of cool kids, they were both boys from Chicago, and they're thinking about swimsuits. Now, you know, there's a small window of nice weather in Chicago, and they're talking about a girl who's come to town from L.A. who went to school in Atlanta. She's in Chicago for the week, and they're going to enjoy her while she's here strutting around the pool in her swimsuit for a week since summer lasts about a week. I think it's a really funny, good-natured, good-time song. Swimsuits by Cool Kids from 2011 on Sound Opinions. Let's go. This is what should be playing in them Jeeps. Swimsuit girls at the pool, Legs in the water, getting sand off her feet. In town from LA, so cold in the D. I'm just cool in Atlanta and Chicago for the week. Friends and their friends kicking in swat teams. Hot things, hot days, sunbay, draw strings, hotel, beach bays, and I lost both keys. Game shut, English room 313. It's scooters, ATVs. Out in Hawaii, parasail, jet skis. Why the sexy little spicy mama seaters? I see ya. Cash bar only, no need for the visas and the bottle girls walk around here in bikinis. Hell yeah, we do this all day. Hot tub on a boat, rolling joints by the lake. Ay. Tell her bring the paper, twist up the great tape down here from there, throw your hands in the air. Yeah, it's all year great view up here, and it's looking like I might want to move around here. Hey, I see you flushing me your taillights, babe. We can do anything you feel like. Poking out the coconut 
that I gave her a sip. Thirsty. Chobo, now I'm all in the mix. Firstly. I'm only toasting perp weed. Degrees in the high 80s. 80s. Before I even said hi, lady. Said I seen you on Collins. The car you was driving. Them lights turned on like eyelids. Then the light turned green. And the scene from Ice Cream Man popped up into my head. When P had the white legs and Silk had the headband. You and your mans look like them. Right then, my right hand reached my cell phone. And I needed a right name to type in. First name Mike Man, right on the white sand. That's where you can find me. I be in the Bahamas. Your girl wanna chill and I drill when I wind it. The real on the real, can you keep it? I'm hindo with a Cubana and a Mambo. You see the trunk from the front like Dumbo. Good drinks, good views from the condo. Yeah, say that ain't a good combo. Hey, I see you flushing me your taillights, babe. We can do anything you feel like. No need to contemplate. Put on your swimsuit. You know I want to pay to take a swim with you. Hey, I see you flushing me your taillights, babe. We can do anything you feel like. No need to contemplate. Put on your swimsuit. You know I want to pay to take a swim with you. Swimsuits by Cool Kids on Sound Opinions, my first summer song pick. Greg, what do you got next? Jim, I'm going to stay in California where uh, my first track was rooted in. Uh, This one also has a very California feel to it, but I want to represent another side of that summer feeling, that summer mood, and that is the melancholy that you sometimes get. You know, not every summer song is upbeat and celebratory and, hey, it's fun, let's go outside. There's a whole vibe that I really think the Beach Boys nailed again. The Beach Boys are, you can't talk about summer without talking about the Beach Boys, that sense of, you know, there's another side to it. At the end of the summer, you break up with your girlfriend inevitably and, you know, you're going separate ways, you're going off to school, starting a new life. There's a sense that it ends, that all good things have to end and summer does too. Mm. And you get that sense with this band, Best Coast. The story behind their debut album in 2010, Crazy For You, was that it was partially inspired by singer and songwriter Bethany Cosentino going out to the East Coast to go to college in like 2008, 2009. She eventually moved back to Los Angeles, but she missed her home greatly while she was out on the East. I don't think she ever took to those East Coast winters and and really miss the sunshine of her home state. That homesickness comes through big time in this debut album, Crazy For You. And I think I would take this whole album, if I were to play, okay, let's create a soundtrack for summer music. This entire album has a bunch of songs on it that I think would fit in to that mold. The song that I'm going to play is Summer Mood. This gets to that melancholy side, this downside, this darker side of that summer feeling. The sense that I'm in the middle of this relationship with this guy or I'm very interested in this guy, but before I know it, the summer's going to end and this relationship is going to end too. And she's feeling kind of down about it. You can hear it not only in the melody here, but those swooning, sultry harmony vocals in the song that really define that mood. It's called Summer Mood from Best Coast on Sound Opinions.
That's Summer Mood from Best Coast on Sound Opinions. The singer of that song, Bethany Costantino, she was on our show several years ago, and she talked about exactly that melancholy summer mood that she nails in that particular song. Their new record's really good, too. Yep, they've uh, put out three really good ones, and that was from the first, Crazy For You, in 2010. What do you got, Jim? All right, you're going to scoff. Listeners should listen to you scoff, because I know (laughs) it's inevitable, right? I'm going to play a Chicago song. I like Chicago. Really? I'm I'm the wrong guy to be, you know, you like Chicago? I like some of Chicago's I think the band Chicago is probably the worst band I'm ever going to have played on Sound Opinions after I play it for you. You know, I think they were cheesy over the top. They took that idea of horn-driven, R&B-tinged rock and roll that was perfected by Al Cooper's first version of Blood, Sweat, and Tears, and they brought it to the shopping mall. They lowest common denominator ah, it. They blanded it out. I would Those agree. Those horns are so far over the top, so With cheesy. the last 15, 20 years, but they're, they, that guitar no player in that group, no Terry way. Kath, Jimi Hendrix was saying, that guy's amazing, and he was. Terry Kath was a... The Terry Kath Chicago years, I will stand by those years. But Chicago, like, left Chicago 15 <laughs> minutes after they formed and sold out and were so L.A., and those are the worst two pays in the history of rock and roll <laughs> on those gentlemen. Again, right? Nice guys. You and I have five, both had to meet them. Yeah, but, first, first four or five albums, I'll stand by those first four or five Chicago records. Well, this comes from Chicago 5. The story goes that Robert Lamb, key songwriter in the group, took a break from recording sessions in Manhattan and walked across the street to Central Park and was so blown away, man, by the jugglers and the bongo players and the guitarists and the hippies, the post-hippie detritus hanging out in Central Park, that he came back and he wrote the song and they recorded it. It was actually a Sunday. It was not a Saturday. There's something about this song. I've always wished that a great punk rock band would cover this song or somebody like Yola Tango what they did to Little Honda right you know because it is a great song Saturday in the park I think it was the 4th of July right you know what else captures the summer vibe better than that I just wish it wasn't Chicago Uh, but I don't you know I don't know try to listen past the cheese to the summer fun Chicago Saturday in the park on Sound Opinion
Saturday in the Park from Chicago on Sound Opinions. Now, I just spent a couple of minutes of airtime defending Chicago, and yeah. I have to say that, that that song is probably the moment when they probably fell off the cliff for me. Like, oh, there's, okay, there's what about Color My World? My Chicago love story is, is now ending. Color My World was one of those prom songs. Well, you know? was it, I was going to ask, was it your prom yeah. song? I don't think I went to my prom. <laughs> All right. I, I think we have to make a pact right now for the listener's benefit that we will never play Chicago again. Yeah, I think the yeah. Well, again, uh, I'm going to find a Terry Kath cut for you, and, right, and, right. and you're going to dig it. And you're going to say, Greg, you were right. You make that your Desert Island jukebox someday. But right now, give us another great summer song. Now, the only place in the entire world that has, uh, well, I exaggerate, of course. Chicago's got some pretty crappy winters, which is where Chicago is from, obviously. But this next band, the whole steady, originated in Minnesota, right? Yeah. And I think Minnesota can claim to have worse winters than we have in I've, Chicago. I've lived in both. Right? Minnesota has that thing where it's minus 20 outside. You walk outside, your nose hair freezes. <laughs> but it's still, we have this wind here. And, man, you're walking over that bridge on Michigan Avenue from the Tribune or the, where the Sun-Times used to be. The wind yeah. is literally cutting you like a knife. Well, here's a band that understands winter, right? The whole steady. And they wrote... Ironically enough, one of the great summer songs. It's called Constructive Summer from their 2008 album, Stay Positive. Craig Finn, a lyricist who is enamored with uh, certain songwriters in the rock tradition, Bruce Springsteen, probably foremost among them. There are some Springsteen-isms in this particular song, but I take away from it some really great moments as well. It's not just copycat stuff. You know, he is evoking a time in his life with some great lines. The first lines in the song, me and my friends are like the drums on Lust for Life. I mean, I think that is, that's an amazing first line. And he's talking about the feeling of being out with your friends in the summer and thinking big thoughts. Like, okay, we're finally going to make something out of our lives, you know? Let this be my annual reminder that we could all be something bigger. There's that hope, that hopefulness in summer, and it's encapsulated by this song. We need some celebratory summer songs on this show, and this is one of them, that hammering riff that carries through the song and the words that evoke the optimism that comes over you when the summer is at its height. It's the Hold Steady with Constructive Summer from 2008 on Sound Opinions. Something this summer, 
That's Constructive Summer from The Hold Steady, a band that uh, visited the Sound Opinion Studios for an interview and a live performance a number of years ago. You can check that out at soundopinions.org. Jim, what's your next great summer song? Greg, this may be a really obvious one, but sometimes we have these picks that are like so obvious. I can't believe we've never talked about this on the show. I can't believe we've never played this. How can we do a show on summer songs and not talk about Love is Like a Heat Wave by Martha and the Vandellas? 1963 hit single. Hit number one on the R&B charts was number four on the pop charts. One of the all-time Motown greats. I'm going to ask you, as we play this, to listen to James Jamerson on bass. Oh, yeah. That's one of the greatest James Jamerson bass lines, that studio team at Motown in the Detroit studios recording these songs. I also like Martha Reeves because I don't think she was as showy as some of the other Motown divas. There was, there was like, you felt like maybe I'd have a shot with her if I met her someday. <laughs> I was like, you know, Diana Ross, man, was not going to give you, me, any human no, being. she was but, a diva. No, no way, right? So Martha is singing these words. It's a Holland Dozier Holland song and production. You know, love is like a heat wave. And it really is. I, I can relate. What, what else are you going to say? It's just one of the greatest rock songs of all time ever. Martha and the Vandellas on Sound Opinions.
Martha and the Vandellas. Love is like a heat wave. The parens around the love is like, Greg, is the essential part there, I think. What about you? What are some of your ultimate summer tracks? Do you agree with our choices? Who do you side with in the mini Chicago debate we just had? Can you believe we even played Chicago on Sound Opinions? Post your picks to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash soundopinions, or follow us on the Twitters at Sound Opinions. We'll be back with our final picks for Songs of the Summer in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. Greg Cott loves the summer. He, he takes one of those sleeveless T-shirts. He is out there in the middle of a baseball field at a music festival. It's 110 degrees. I'm complaining. I want to be inside in the air condition. And you're always like, well, I, I love it, man. What's your problem? And I'm like, I, I don't. Not me. But wait, all right. What's your last summer song? I admit it. I cherish the sun. I you do really cherish do. the sun. I don't yeah. understand. Maybe it's the Syracuse, the Chicago in you. I don't know. Uh, you know yeah, you grew up in all these cold weather climates. You do appreciate those two and a half weeks of sunshine that you well, get see, every see, year. Having grown up across from Manhattan, <laughs> right? I just think that, that like man and the city should overpower <laughs> the elements. And I really don't really want to happen. Can, deal with weather, happen. you know? Yeah, I hear you. This next song, Jim, that I want to play uh, is one of my great summer songs. It doesn't explicitly mention the word summer in it, uh, or or any season for that matter, but it reminds me so deeply of what summer is all about because it really, to me, explains the origins of hip-hop, which was basically an outdoor music for a long time. When it started bubbling up in the Bronx in the late 70s, early 80s, it would be performed on street corners, and then it moved to the parks and the playgrounds. It was stuff that you did outdoors in the summer, an MC rapping over beats, two turntables and a microphone, as you said earlier. You know, that that kind of vibe that the cool kids were going for. These were a couple of the originators of, of that sound. I'm talking about Dougie Fresh and Slick Rick. And the track is called The Show. You know, Dougie Fresh was the human beatbox, right? Creating all these incredibly rhythmic sounds just by using his voice. He was joined by Slick Rick, and a lot of you will remember him as one of those originals. You know, it was almost like a cartoon character that these hip-hop heroes were like in, in, in the 80s. This is the guy, London-born, Bronx-raised, the MC with an eye patch. you know, mm-hmm. he, he was a character. 
he had incredible flow. You know, you talk, what does flow mean, right? I'm talking about enunciation, the way he would enunciate the words. His phrasing was incredibly precise. I think partially rooted in the fact that he spent the first 10, 11 years of his life in, in England. You know, he, you, you could hear some of that filtering in to this Bronx street style that he helped perfect, the voice of that style. And here's a track that basically has the two of them, Dougie Fresh and Slick Rick, talking about a show that they're about to play. They're about to go on stage or into the playground or onto the street corner to perform for a group of people. And it is hilarious. A lot of people initially reviewed this record as almost like a comedy record because the patter between the two of them was so hilarious. But it stood up as one of the great hip-hop classics of that era, sampled numerous times. It's Dougie Fresh and Slick Rick with the show on Sound Opinion. Excuse me, Dougie Fresh. Yes! Have you ever seen a show with fellas on the mic with one minute rhymes that don't come out right? They bite. They never write. That's not polite. Am I lying? No, you're quite right. Well, tonight, on this very mic, you're about to hear, we swear, the best star rappers of the year. So, so, cheerio, yell, scream, bravo. Also, if you didn't know, this is called the show. That is the show from Dougie Fresh and Slick Rick on Sound Opinions, a song that just evokes summer for me, hip-hop and outdoor music when it began on the street corners and the parks and the playgrounds. That's where that song uh, comes from, from from my ears. And uh, you cannot beat a song that uh, samples a theme song from Inspector Gadget, one of the great cartoons of the mid-'80s. Jim, what's your final pick? Greg, when we did this uh, show first in 2006, I said the number one thing I hate about summer is the beach because I hate sand, right? It gets in all sorts of places <laughs> where it should not get. And I played a song by Wire called Sand in My Joints, right? The number two thing I hate is the sun. A little bit of sun <laughs> is fine, right? But too much sun and you get that sunburn. I hate the sunburn. Only thing I hate more than sunburn is putting on that oily, slimy, horrible, you know, PDF <laughs> stuff, whatever, Uh 
you know, I, I, I hate the whole thing. I, like, like I said, I want to live under a rock in a cave. I'm a, a troglodyte in that way. So I got a song about sunburn. Last time it was about sand. This time it's about sunburn. Blister in the sun by the Violent Femmes. Of course, that's not all that it's about. Let me tell you, those first two Violent Femmes albums are just absolutely brilliant in the way that Gordon Gano, Brian Ritchie, and Victor DiLorenzo, A, created a tremendous amount of music with very little. These guys started out busking on the streets in Milwaukee and never really expanded the instrumentation much beyond that. Mm -hmm. And B, the way they were able to create certain moods. The mood in this song, Blister in the Sun, is about a sort of unbridled teenage coming of age coming of sexual awareness if you will right i mean it's very impressionistic you look at these lyrics people have been trying to figure out big hands i know you're the one uh, you know I, well, mm. what is he talking about i just think it's he's trying to create a vibe without ever saying anything specific about how frustrating it is to be 13 especially in the summer when when you know it seems like Everything is ratcheted up emotionally. And, you know, if you got sunburned, it's even worse. I mean, I, that's my read on it anyway. <laughs> anyway, I don't like the sun. I don't like the sand. I, I really don't like summer. Fall, spring. I like that. All right. Violent Femmes. Blister in the sun on Sound Opinions. Jim Deere got us with a violently anti-summer song, Blister in the Sun by the Violent Femmes. Jim, you, you know, you do hate summer so much you don't even know it's SPF. It's not PDF, but uh, sunscreen. Well, maybe that's why I was getting sunburned. <laughs> that that could have been your problem now that, now that we think about it. Uh, it could be. All right, what do we got to the show next week? Jim, you're going to like this. We're going to take the show indoors. We're going to talk to a band that is a great band, and they're going to play for us, Tame Impala. As always, Greg, we have some thank yous to say. Sound Opinions is produced by Jason Saldana, Robin Lynn, Evan Chung, Alex Claiborne, and our intern, Emily Espinel.
On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800. New messages. Hey guys, this is Dylan from Philadelphia. I just wanted to call and say I love the interview with Taurus, and I definitely agree that she has one of the best albums of the year so far. But you know, another runner-up, actually a local from uh, out here in Philly, you should check out, is uh, a band called Hop Along. They've been really, you know, building some momentum in the past few years, and they just released an album this year on uh, Saddle Creek Records. So give them a listen, and you know, hope to hear them on the show. Thank you. Hi guys, this is Dan from Macomb, Illinois. I uh, just finished listening to your 500th episode. I'll be honest, most of the time I get so angry with you guys, I just can't stand you. But uh, I, I appreciate what you do. I can never forget the first ever episode that I listened to of yours back um, half of your lifetime ago in 2010. You certainly answered. Now my favorite band, Black Mountain. I wouldn't have been turned on to those guys without you. So appreciate what you do. Look forward to another 500,000. Let's do it. Yeah, hi Jim and Greg, it's Lou here, your loyal listener from England. Uh, looks like you've made it to show 500. You know, I can't believe there wasn't a public holiday or at least a ticker tape parade in Chicago. But anyway, thanks for that 500 hours of audio nectar that you've given us all. You know, you provide a massive service for music fans, musicians and record companies with your show. We all benefit from your exposure. And I'm only a fairly new listener, but I've gone back over a lot of your earlier episodes and you've guided me through some great bands like Against Me, Lydia Loveless, Angel Olsen and Tweedy. Well, I'm going to raise a glass of Goose Island IPA and the toast will be the best radio station on the planet and you know who that is. Best wishes for the next 500 episodes, guys. Thank you very much. Good night. Hey guys, this is Eric in Carmel, New York. Really, really loved the 500th show. It was really fun to listen to. I loved the fight about Bruce Springsteen. I wish you guys could do more of that sparring. It was really, really fun to listen to. And I have to say that uh, can't we just get along? Uh, Meatloaf, Bad Out of Hell, worthy of a album dissection. A great album. 
And uh, Bruce Springsteen uh, is pretty boss, too. So thanks a lot for all the hard work. Bye, guys. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.